This week, we have a presenter, podcaster, and body image campaigner with us. You may have seen her promoting her Free From Diets campaign, speaking on TV and at events. You may have listened to her fantastic podcast, Body Cons, or caught her as part of the Naked Presenters slash hosts on Channel 4's body positive show, Naked Beach. She has a wealth of Instagram followers and often shares her thoughts on life on her blog at mothersalwaysright.com. Please welcome Molly Forbes. Oh, that was really lovely. Thank you for having me. You I was listening to that. She sounds cool. <laughs> I know. This girl's done a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's nice to kind of, it's nice to, to, put it all into one place because I often feel I don't know if you're like this but I often feel like I'm not doing enough mm. and I'm often feeling like oh, I need to do more and haven't achieved enough and the world's still like terrible and so to hear it kind of all put together and make you think oh I'm doing all right actually you doing are 100% <laughs> doing all right and I think it's it gets so difficult sometimes to define like who you are like what you do and sometimes to have somebody kind of wrap it up into like a ball you're like oh right okay so that's who I am okay okay yeah. that's fine I feel I feel okay um, Absolutely. but yeah no you've got you've got a wealth of kind of different strings to your bow I guess so I think the first question really is kind of tell tell the audience a little bit about you from yeah. your perspective so um I I'm 36 now and I trained as a journalist when I was, I think I got my first job as a journalist in radio. I think I was 23 and I always wanted to work in radio. I loved, I wanted to be a journalist. My kind of big plan then was that I was going to work as a journalist and work way, way up and be on Radio 1 and then get a job for Channel 4 News and be like the next Kate Hady and be like a foreign correspondent. That was what I wanted to do. Mm. And then I met my now husband when I was doing my third radio job, which was like three years later. And by that point, I'd like lived in various different places around the UK. And I was living in Reading at that point, working for a radio station. I was like the girl on the breakfast show. So I read the news and I like did bits of presenting. And then um, we kind of like got together and then a, a couple of years later had a baby and my priorities kind of shifted and I no longer wanted to go into war zones and report from the front line of, of a war zone. I was kind of um, going through like my own <laughs> internal war and conflict um, of my own and that was when I discovered blogging and this is kind of Twitter was Twitter was a thing but it wasn't such a thing and Instagram wasn't really a thing it was just becoming a thing I didn't even have um an, a camera phone when I first started blogging in fact I don't think I didn't even have internet access if I wanted to go on Twitter I'd have to get my laptop out and like log into Twitter mm. <laughs> it was so different then um and I started blogging and that was um, my blog kind of became a way for me to talk about um being a mum and all of the identity crises that come with that and being I was in I was quite a young mum I was the first one among all my friends to have a baby 
in the area that I lived in, I was quite a lot younger than a lot of the other women at the mum and baby toddler groups. Um, and that then kind of developed into a sort of arm of my career all on its own because I started getting commissioned and paid to write for people about this subject. Um, and then I got a job as a radio presenter. I got offered a job. I was like doing bits of freelance work. So I've always kind of been, I guess, like I know slashy is now a term that they use. It's like a thing, but I was always kind of a slashy before it was like before there was a name for it. So I was just basically a freelance journalist. I've got no um, idea what a slashy is. A slashy is like, they call them, it's basically someone who is like uh, something slash something. So someone who's right. got like a day job and then like a side hustle or like nowadays, it's re- like you were just saying before, it's difficult to define what your job is. I think that particularly if you work in like the online world or you work in the creative industry, or um, if you work in like therapeutic industry, like often it's difficult to kind of define what you are because we all do lots of different things. So I was working freelance doing radio, but I was doing like radio production. I was doing news reading. I was doing reporting. And then I got a job, got offered a permanent job as a radio presenter doing a breakfast show. But at the same time, I was still writing my blog. And I was still doing, um, getting commissioned to write for magazines and things. And back then, my focus was really parenting and, and, and motherhood. And that was very much like what I used to write about, like, you know, teething and sleep and the identity um, issues that come with, you know, new motherhood. And it wasn't until uh, probably like three years ago, really, three, four years ago, that I really started to talk about body image and how it intersects with my experience as a mum and um, I've got two daughters now so I think that kind of informed why I became interested in this subject as well mm. and obviously the online world has totally developed and then YouTube became a thing and I started making YouTube videos and that's how I got picked up for Naked Beach um, and now you know a podcasting I, I always loved listening to podcasts because radio was my first love and there's such obviously a real crossover there mm-hmm. and I think particularly with the subject of body image and, and mental health these are subjects that are quite um well they're really personal emotive subjects aren't they yeah so I think they lend themselves really well to having deep insightful discussions in podcasts which is where my podcast came up that I co-present with my friend Lottie Story um yeah and then the campaign was born last year from like my frustration basically that um that I felt like the more I was learning about this subject and the more I was experiencing um you know the world through a different lens uh, I, I felt like it wasn't enough to just go on Instagram and make kind of inspiring content on Instagram that might make people feel better I wanted to actually change be part of changing the culture that my kids are growing up in Mm. And it wasn't, it's all very well to kind of write an Instagram caption saying, you know, love yourself. And, and that's important, don't get me wrong, but that still puts the personal responsibility on the person. And it's really difficult to feel good about your body in a world that's constantly feeding you messages, trying to make you feel bad. So that was where the campaign work started coming in. Yeah, that's, that's so true. And I think that you, you're so right in terms of society being so one way and us having this 
this other narrative as well being like oh just you know love yourself accept who you are be positive in your body and and actually I mean I don't know if you remember this advert but there was an advert years ago and there was a and and like I can't even remember what the product was or anything but it was like Burley's gonna get ya and there was a boy oh, yeah. and there was a man like running away from mm. this giant belly and it was something yeah. I can't remember what the product was but that stuck that has stuck in my head for probably mm-hmm. more than 15 years like I can see it in my head it's mad mm. and you know dieting adverts and stuff they've got a lot sneakier recently and I've I've noticed it this year because even on like the first couple of days in January there are all these adverts out there and it's all like oh you know bright happy breezy you can eat what you like because you know but on this plan blah blah, blah. I think it's Mm. the I think it's the bloody Cambridge diet or something and they've got a singing advert now it's like, oh, if we sing, we can show you more shit and you can eat it. Like, it's, oh, it's yeah. like, it's mm-hmm. mad. And, and I think that the work that you're doing is so important because, you know, we can do these things on Instagram. We can talk about body positivity, but we need to also address the reasons why our society has such a negative impact and, and a negative view of ourselves. And it is a lot to do with your campaign. Um, yeah. Just tell us a bit about the campaign yeah. and what, what it is. So we're, we're essentially campaigning to end diet promo around schools and kids clubs. So um, it's one of these things that you don't necessarily notice because it's so normalized, but as soon as you start noticing it, you realize it's everywhere. So the issue is that a lot of diet clubs, um, not just, you know, the big ones like Slimming World, Weight Watchers, um, lots of different diet clubs will often hire out halls in schools to hold their diet clubs, to hold their meetings. And um, so as part of that, the schools will then, they will then ask to put up their marketing material on or in the schools. So there are loads of schools with big banners on their railings for Slimming World or Weight Watchers um, and encouraging people to sign up. So essentially they're using the schools as a a recruitment ground for new members. And it's not that they are necessarily directly targeting the children, although the two big diet brands do offer free membership for children as young as 11. But it's more that they see that this is where the mums are. So the mums, and it is mainly that there's a much higher proportion of women that go to these groups than men, but obviously they're not going to turn anyone away, but they're going, so where where can we find the places where these women are? They're in schools, they're taking their kids to brownies, they're taking their kids to dance, they're taking, you know, their kids swimming at the weekend. So let's hit those places with flyers, with posters, with banners, and that's what they're doing. And the it's wrong for loads of reasons. Mm. Um, First of all, I mean, like even like taking away the whole message, like I just really believe that schools aren't a place to advertise like private businesses in that way anyway. Mm. Um, But the, the, the problem is with these diet banners, they are in, they're basically perpetuating this culture of body dissatisfaction. Mm. So even if your children can't read what 
is on the banners, which most of the time they can. My nine-year-old can, can read. And if there was a banner like that on her school railings, which thankfully there isn't, but she would be able to read what it said. Mm. Um, but it's not just the fact that they, the children can, they're being exposed to these messages and they can read these messages that tell them that one type of body is better than another. And that in order to live happy, <laughs> in quotation marks, or be well, or be successful or inspiring, they need to change their body. And that often means losing weight. Mm. So that's like very surface level, like a problem because inside the schools, they schools are now becoming much more woke to this issue of body image because they realize that there's a real like growing mental health crisis around this area. And it's impacting, having huge impact on children, not attending school, not engaging in class, not wanting to take part in PE, but also like culture of bullying in schools um, and discrimination against some children in bigger bodies. So schools are like trying their best. A lot of schools are trying their best to do positive work with inside the, inside the walls and their classrooms. But then if these children are then walking outside of the school and seeing these messages that completely counteract all the positive work that's being done inside then it's you know we, we often as parents we're like oh it's all social media's fault children feel bad nowadays because it's all instagram's fault but actually there's a really blatant problem right there under our noses it's just insidious it has been there for so long we've become so blind to it it's so normalized these massive banners on our children's school railings telling them that the answer to success and happiness is to change their body. And even if the children can't read those messages, the parents can read the messages and then that encourages conversations in the, in the playground among the mums and, and they're having, you know, like fairly problematic conversations in front of their kids. And it's all wrapped up under this disguise of health and um, this idea that a healthy body only looks one way and uh, that it's, a good thing to pursue health so it's all about health so therefore it's okay for us to display this marketing material and actually we know <laughs> the research we know from like the academic research and all the experts tell us that health is a lot more complicated than that and you can't actually tell very much about someone's health just from the way they look and even if someone isn't healthy they are still deserving of respect <laughs> so we should not be continuing to promote this idealized body shape and this idealized body size under any guise, whether we're telling people that they'll be more beautiful if they look like this, or whether we'd be telling people that they're more healthy if they look like this. We need to take away the emphasis on looks completely. That's basically what the campaign is about. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a really good campaign. It's really important as well. And I think like a lot of people have got involved with this whole topic in terms of health. Um, I think there was even, oh, who's the pregnant model, plus sized model, um, who was on America's Next oh, oh, what's her name? Uh, that's Ashley Graham. Yes. Yeah. So she posted a picture recently of her and basically naked. She's pregnant. Mm. And then, of course you've got this forum then of people being like, she's obese, her baby's going to be ill, she's far too overweight, you know, it's not healthy, I'm worried about you. Yeah, like people start to use health as an excuse to comment on other people's bodies, which isn't okay. And I think there's a lot of 
of conversations that we have, whether it be online or in person, that I don't think we really fully think about before we say the words. You know, every time I see somebody that's posted something negative online, I kind of think, did you think about this? Did you just stop and think, do I need to write this? Do I need to post this? Is somebody like Ashley Graham going to give a shit if I'm actually concerned about their health or am I just being a bit of a dick? Like, and it really, it is really frustrating to see. But in terms of going back to the campaign, being able to stop that subliminal messaging that happens, you know, around schools, I think is so important. Mm. I think that the 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 subject that you just brought up there with Ashley Graham like that's a typical that's a typical misunderstanding of what health is there was some really interesting research out fairly recently it was mentioned in psychology's magazine earlier this month I think and they basically found that they looked at like health as an issue and they found that a lot of the negative um health outcomes for people in bigger bodies that they're experiencing um, are many times to do with the way that they're treated by society so it's it's the discrimination that they're facing on a regular basis it's the uh, the shaming the body shaming that they're experiencing on a regular basis um, and those those um, aspects of of like cultural behavior are equally as damaging to someone's physical health and take take a massive impact on someone's physical health so if you really if you if your argument is i'm worried about your health then maybe look at you know the way that you are behaving towards that person because if you're really genuinely worried about that person's health then you won't body shame them because you'll understand that that's going to cause massive mental health um impact which is then going to also because mental health and physical health are not like two separate things they're linked and we know that you know if someone's feeling depressed or if someone's feeling um you know really anxious that then has a massive impact on their physical health but also we know that if you make people feel bad about their body they are much less likely to engage in health promoting behaviors and this is the issue is that when we're talking about health we are so focused on what health looks like we're not actually looking at what health is and health is not just what you eat and how much you move your body it's also how much you sleep and how much you interact with your friends and you know if you're a kid like how much how, how, how much you play outside and you know all of those things are equally equally important aspects of a child's health as how much they eat and we also know that I mean, diets are really damaging and that they can, there's a really high rate of people starting diets and then going on to, you know, engage in disordered eating behaviors. So that's not something that we want to, that's not something we should be encouraging children to go down that avenue. We want to encourage children to have a a joyful relationship with movement and, and a positive relationship with food and to eat in a way that feels good for them and to move their body in a way that feels good for them. And that actually often doesn't have very much to do with what they look like. So, I mean, what we're not, we're not campaigning to stop children learning about nutrition or, you know, doing like fun, fun movement. Absolutely. I mean, that stuff's already happening. We are simply campaigning to end the marketing of this diet promotion around schools 
and we, as you know, they're not allowed. There's rules on junk food being advertised around schools. I mean, junk food, like I'm using like junk food in inverted commas, because that is immediately like suggesting that one food is better than another. And that's like, that's problematic because it's like morality around food is not something mm. we want to go down. But for the, you know, to simplify it, you're not allowed to advertise burgers and chips and chocolate within a hundred meters of a school because of that, because they argue that that's really damaging and the health impact of that. So that same argument should exist for diets as well because we know there's a huge mental health impact and physical health impact from these products as well um, and it isn't even just like on an individual level it's just the overall culture that you know I feel like I mean and I want to kind of be clear like I don't I'm not in a bigger body you know I'm very average kind of size 12 to 14 women I can go into a shop and I can mostly find clothes that fit me you know I can order stuff online and find stuff that fits me um so I'm not I haven't ever faced personal discrimination on that level where you know I've been turned down for a job because my body isn't right you know or I've been like shouted someone shouted abuse at me in the street you know and this is stuff that many people in our, in our society are having to face on a daily basis um, and I'm I'm very privileged to not have experienced that kind of treatment before. But this whole wider culture where we're promoting one type of body over another and saying one type of body is better than another is having a massive impact on everyone. So it's having a terrible impact on people who are in bigger bodies, who are being discriminated against on a daily basis. But it's also having a massive impact on, on everyone else too. Um, and it's just, it's... I just really feel like we it, it feels to me like it's such a obvious thing like why can we not you know if we want to make if we really care about health and we want to make sure that our kids are healthy and happy then why should why are we not worrying about you know the fact that loads of schools don't have the resources to do like good PE lessons or that loads of you know areas in the country don't have access to good parks because you know the funding isn't there to like create nice play spaces for the kids you know why are we not looking at these these things why are we not looking at the fact that there's massive parts of the population that live in food deserts where they can't get access to affordable nutritious food if we really care about the population's health and the childhood obesity epidemic which is i'm using quotation marks then why are we not looking at at those issues rather than saying, oh, just put that kid on Slimming World because that will fix everything. I think the problem is, is, I mean, you nailed it on the head with that final comment, is that the people that are, you know, promoting this behavior and this kind of, these kind of views are the diet pe are the people that win financially. You know, the food and diet industry makes billions off our insecurities. You know, I think it's Weight Watchers that rely on 95% repeat business. You know, that's where their profits come from. It's repeat business. Yeah. Um, and it's, it is, unfortunately, they are the people that own the adverts. They've got, they've got such a massive stake in it. They're not going to let, mm. let it go. So instead of kind of mm -hmm. admitting, oh, yeah, actually, yeah, we're creating a problem here. They're trying to dress it up and rebrand or, you know, relaunch yeah. as a new healthy way of life. But at the end of the day, it's still got rules. It's still got restrictions and it's still promoting, you know, one kind of body over the other. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like I always try to say to people, 
um, who get in touch with me and they're feeling like bad about their body, they feel like their body's wrong in some way, like let's just take a moment to look at where those messages are coming from and who's profiting from your insecurities because I'm pretty sure it's not you. Like so much of the time when we feel bad about our body, it's because of an external message that we have somehow like consumed out in the wider world. Whether that's a message that's come from like a parent or a family member or an advert that we've seen or something we've seen on Instagram or on TV, like often these messages, they're coming from outside. And often it's, it's basically capitalism. Like if we got rid of the patriarch and we got rid of capitalism, then probably everyone would feel a lot better. Um, so yeah, I think that it's really important to remember with, with all of this stuff, like ultimately that they are businesses. They're not, they're not charities. They are there to take your money. Um, and yeah, the, the fact that so much of their money comes from repeat business shows to me that, um, it doesn't work. <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, if, if these, if these, if these diets worked long term, people wouldn't have to spend some people who get in touch with me, you know, they've been, they've tw spent 20 years going to these clubs and they've paid their, you know, diligently paid their weekly fee to go along to the meeting and get weighed and their weight has fluctuated. And because they've lost the weight when they've been on it, they're like, well, it did work for me. I lost the weight. And, but then ultimately they've often ended up putting that weight back on. And, and so they're in like a cycle and there's yeah. lots of research to show that that is much more, um, that's much more unhealthy and like much more damaging for your body to be on a constant weight loss and gain cycle than just being at a slightly higher weight continually. Like, and, but we're not, this, I feel like people don't know this. And because often like we also, we really praise weight loss and we, we praise, you know, looks all the time like oh you look amazing oh, I love like how you've done your health you lost weight oh you look so yeah. well like these are all just regular you know I try I don't do it anymore like I, yeah. I just try not to but it's so it's so ingrained isn't it 100%. That, um, it validates that behavior and you know and I I really feel like I don't want anyone who's listening to this to feel like I'm judging them um for wanting to be on a diet because I really believe in body autonomy and I think that um if someone wants to go on a diet then they should be allowed to go on a diet it's their body it's their business I don't care if they're on a diet um but what I what I just feel like is sometimes I I think that people don't always know the full story so they're buying into this marketing mm. um without necessarily knowing the full story and I do kind of feel like in the culture that we live in where shows like Love Island exist Mm. And um, we do place so much moral value over the way that people look. It's kind of amazing. It's kind of a miracle that anyone feels good in their body. So I have no blame for someone who wants to change their body because, I mean, it's amazing that anyone wouldn't really, to be honest. Yeah, I think it's a lot easier as well for quite a few. If you, for the people that have the money, it's a lot easier to change your body than it is to change the way that you've been thinking for 20, 30, 40, 50 years. You know, it's a quick fix. And we are people as in general that want a quick fix. Who doesn't want to feel great quicker? Hey, it's yeah. just like an automatic, but like I always say to, 
to my clients, like you will never, and I, and I've said this to, on some of the talks I've done, you will never hate yourself into a body that you love. You know, it doesn't matter what you're doing. You could be doing, you could be eating perfectly. You could be, you know, exercising, doing whatever Sandra next door is recommended. And you, you won't end up with a product that you love. You'll end up, you know, feeling annoyed, angry, um, depraved. It's, it is just that, you know, you have to go, you have to go towards things with, a more positive balanced mindset and I think what you were saying about kind of it the fluctuation of weight obviously when we go to things like diet clubs and and go on these extreme programs where there is a extreme weight loss in a quick amount of time you will see huge fluctuations but I mean our body naturally fluctuates you know we've got a a set point that our body Mm. likes to be around and then there is it kind of it kind of wiggles and it waves and I remember over Christmas, um, somebody was like, oh, I've put on three pounds. I was like, go take a shit. Like, yeah. that's probably what will, like, it'll be, you'll, you'll lose the weight. It's fine. Yeah. Like, you don't have to, you know, get so upset with yourself. You know, we will naturally gain and lose weight over our, our life. And yeah. in different phases and seasons of our life, we're going to be different shapes and sizes, aren't we? Yeah, Um, our bodies aren't made of plastic. They're not meant to stay the same forever. mm. And I think like, I think that the interesting thing for that, for me is that I think often when we compare our bodies to like previous versions of ourselves, like a younger version of ourselves or a version of ourselves before Christmas, um, sometimes I don't even think it's about our body. I think sometimes we're comparing our body to like, we're like, looking through rose tinted glasses at a time when our life was maybe easier or or we were in you know we were in maybe a better relationship or we had we lived in a different place or you know we had fewer responsibilities and we we forget actually the reality of back then was that we were probably equally as stressed and we were probably still worrying about similar kind of things Mm -hmm. and so we think oh well if we can if I can change my body and get my body to look like how it did when I was 18 then I'll be happy again. But mm. actually, you know, there's so much research to show that changing your body isn't necessarily going to have a massive impact on your body image. Mm. And I think that's something that needs to be really clear because a lot of people seem to confuse um, having a positive body image with fitting that narrow beauty ideal. And actually having a positive body image, i.e. feeling good about your body, doesn't have a huge amount to do with what your body actually looks like. Mm. So if you're investing all this time in trying to change your body, you know, and money in trying to change your body, you've got no, you, and you might, you might change it and you might feel great first of all, because you're getting all that external validation from people telling you how great you look. And you're like, finally, I look the way I want to feel and I feel confident. But there's also a huge body of evidence to show that it doesn't last. Mm. And then you need to like seek what the next quick fix is. And ultimately, your time and energy, I feel, would be better spent in trying to come to some kind of peaceful acceptance of your body. I think for some people, loving their body is like far too big an ask. Yeah, it's too much too quick. Yeah. And I feel really uncomfortable with this pressure 
Um, so I know like lots of people say like, oh, say I'm body positive or I'm like a positive, all about like body positivity. Um, and I, I, I never call myself that partly because, um, body positivity, positivity as a movement, like was a, a historically a political movement by people in bigger bodies and I don't have a bigger body. So I don't want to like co-opt that movement. Mm -hmm. Um, but also I feel like there's people, when people confuse body positivity with positive body image, like they're two different things. Mm. (laughs) And so I feel like still the problem with that whole, that whole idea, like it's brilliant. Don't get me wrong. Like I loved being part of Naked Beach and I like a lot of my work on Instagram and social media is about like just promoting, like, you know, showing my very like average kind of body and me living my life in a full and happy, satisfied way and saying, you don't need to change your body. I think I'm pretty good. I like my body. I'm happy with my body. And this is what I look like. But I appreciate that like that is still putting the personal responsibility on yourself. And so for someone who, who, who doesn't feel that they can get there and they're like, well, I still don't like my body. So therefore I don't like my body and I don't feel good in my body. So I failed at that as well. Not only have I failed at getting that idealized body image, I failed at feeling good in the body that I have. So I failed at body positivity. Mm. And, and I think that that's not somewhere that that's not somewhere that anyone should, should be. So I feel like if we can just kind of get to a point where, I mean, great. If everyone could just love their body and like appreciate their body for what it does for them. Brilliant. But I think for some people, like if you can just kind of come to a place of acceptance mm. where you just kind of feel gentle towards your body and you're kind of friends with it. And you just feel like you, you're inhabiting your body. It's part of you. It's mm. your home. It's where you live. It's like what gets you from A to B rather than, you know, feeling you don't have to like, you know, some, some days I love my body and I feel amazing. And some days I'm just kind of neutral. It's just kind of there, you know, yeah. I now, luckily nowadays I never feel bad about it. I've, been in that hole um and I've got myself out of it and I've gone I've done the diet bandwagon and the scary exercise regimes and and the irony is is that probably when I looked at my most physical healthy I was probably at my least mentally healthy yeah so (laughs) you can't tell a huge amount about someone just from the way they look yeah exactly I think that's the that's really key and I love what you said about kind of the body positivity movement because I think that it does get it has it is very confused and I think that you know sometimes I feel as if I as somebody who is not in a larger body I don't have the right to talk about it Um, because I've had a few people say to me in the past what do you know about it like you know and I think that actually body acceptance is is something that we all need to be able to do because you know no matter what size I was I was still very you know I have body dysmorphia I was really really angry with my body for you know being rubbish and and giving up on me and the way it looked and you know that can be at any size um and I think that it sometimes people will look at the people on Instagram, you know, both ends of the coin and they'll go, well, I don't look like that. So I can't, I can't get like that. You know, it's, it's not, it's not possible for me. <coughs> um, so what you said about 
you know, just starting with acceptance, that's, that's, that is really the key message, I think. Mm -hmm. And, um, I think in, in my opinion, people's bodies can look however they wish. And that's as long as they're happy, that's all that matters because it doesn't affect my life and it doesn't, it doesn't affect anyone else's life. And, you know, having that acceptance. And I think we all need to kind of, to, to chill out a little bit because I think at one point the noise got so loud and it was like, well, you can't talk about body positivity because you're this size and you're not that size and you can't believe in this because you don't look like, and you know, it all got so messy and angry and kind of, it almost went away from what the whole point of the, the, the movement was about. Um, so yeah, I think you make a really important point there. Um, I think it's really, I think it, people get so upset about it because it is, it is such an emotive subject and we all have really emotional feelings about our own experiences. I guess it's about, it's that whole privilege conversation as well, Mm. isn't it? And recognizing our own privilege and understanding that people who are in like marginalized bodies, um, will often feel really shit about their body um but they're also being discriminated against on a daily basis so we can everyone can feel shit about their body because everyone if you have a body you have a body image yeah you you know fitting that narrow beauty ideal is no guarantee that you're going to feel have a positive body image Mm -hmm. but it is a guarantee that you're less likely to be discriminated against Mm -hmm. um and you know people like less likely to hurl abuse at you in the street or yeah. less likely that you're going to go to the doctors with, I don't know, a stubbed toe and they're going to put you on a diet and yeah. tell you that the reason that you stubbed your toe is because you're big way too and much. you need to lose weight. Like, yeah. and, and that, that's obviously, I think, I feel like with this whole issue, obviously we've all got like internal work to do and that's really important. And it's, you know, that's amazing. The work that like therapists are doing and the work that educators are doing in schools. And that's really important. But I feel like, we're never going to stamp out this problem unless we address this issue of discrimination and we actually look at some of the fat phobic cultural norms that still exist. Mm. I do feel like, um, and I don't, I don't, I don't feel like this is a really like politically explosive thing to say. And I apologize if anyone is offended by it, but I feel like, um, fat phobia is like the last bastion of discrimin of acceptable discrimination. And, you know, uh, people nowadays, I mean, racism is still very much a thing. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, people who are transgender obviously been discriminated against, but we are kind of, those are conversations that are happening more and more in the public sphere. And many people are accepting that those forms of discrimination are unacceptable. But there are still lots of people in mainstream society who are even like supposedly woke, you know, like liberal people who are aware of all the other forms of discrimination, who still don't think that there's anything wrong with just making a fat phobic comment and discriminating Mm. against a whole portion of our society who are in bigger bodies. Mm. And that for me is is a problem because ultimately (laughs) we are never going to feel good about ourselves no matter what kind of body we're in if a whole proportion of the society is being treated badly because you're either going to be in a body that is being treated badly or you're going to be scared of being in a body that's being treated badly if we Mm. just stop treating people badly maybe it wouldn't be such an issue Mm. yeah 100 percent. 
So you mentioned Naked Beach. I just wanted to talk a little bit about that because I think it's a really good program in terms of it's quite inclusive in terms of the different people that they have on it. Um, There's there is literally people from all different kind of backgrounds, looks, body shapes. But what was your reaction when they kind of Mm -hmm. approached you and went, right, okay, we want you to come on TV to present the program. (laughs) Um, You're going to have to be naked for most of it. You'll be naked all day. You'll be eating (laughs) naked. You'll be dancing. You'll be doing some exercise (laughs) naked too. Um, So, but you're in Greece. So how how does that sound? Like, what was your reaction? That must have been a really odd conversation. When I first got approached about it, my first initial reaction was, oh, I need to be out there for just over a month. I need to sort the childcare. That <laughs> so was your first, first reaction. My first reaction <laughs> was, oh, who's going to do the school run? <laughs> and, then, and then my second reaction when they said, oh, yeah, you're going to be in body paint, was um, <laughs> it wasn't like, oh, I'm going to be in body paint. I'm going to be like naked on TV. It was will I be able to sit down will I have wet wipes with me because I was just thinking like this is like how such a like typical mum thing I was thinking I'm just gonna make a real mess <laughs> gonna be like leaving like paint on the sofa and like what will we you know how how is that gonna work like, I was really like interested in the logistical practical aspect of actually being in body paint for like 12 to 15 hours a day like um so yeah that was kind of my 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 first it was literally like how am I going to do the school run and will anyone have any wet wipes because <laughs> like, <laughs> I obviously there's no pocket to put like a pocket of tissues or no. anything like you so yeah it was really when they first approached me about it it was kind of surreal because I didn't really think anything would come of it I think um I worked in the media long enough to know that there's no point like these things can just suddenly happen um and you can uh, just be minding your own business and going about your day and then suddenly get a call and being like oh yeah would you be interested in I don't know presenting a radio show or like this morning I was getting the kids ready for school and I had a text from a producer at Sky News and they were like can you come on Sky News today at 12 o'clock <laughs> so I'm used to kind of the ad hoc nature of it but often like conversations will happen and nothing really comes of it so I I guess like when they first contacted me I I had like a chat with them on um, uh, Skype and I, I didn't really, it, it all just seemed a bit surreal. And then when I got the call, so then I went to London and like met with the producers and they filmed a little tape of me. And literally I got a call like a week later saying channel four want you. And they had, you know, contract discussions. And then a few days later I was on a plane flying out to Greece. Um, so it was very quick and it was all kind of, um, I didn't really have a huge amount of time to think about it, about, you know, actually what it would feel like to be in body paint with, um, cause me, me and the other host, we're obviously, we're all really like close now because we live together for that time. We had this amazing experience together and we're all quite vivacious kind of like people. So we, we're all you know, had a lot in common in that sense we didn't know each other I didn't know any of the other guys before I met them at the airport I mean some of them knew each other like you know um Felicity and Ben for example had modeled together you know they like were in the same kind of industry uh, but I didn't know anyone so I, I didn't even follow follow them online like I didn't even know who these people were um but within 
three days of living together and working together and being naked together and being part of this like really cool fun you know amazing energy like it was like we'd known each other for a long time I would say yeah and like I mean I looking at it as well the way that it kind of portrays you guys is that this is just what you do you just like you if I I was you know I'd half expecting to call you today and you'd be there in your underwear like <laughs> hey yeah like it, that's the kind of out, yeah like. <laughs> yeah I've gone for a I've gone for some uh, blue lilies today yeah. <laughs> um but it's like you know it it is it, seen and I think it's because you guys are so um confident and you are very vivacious and you know outgoing and you're proud as well you seem to be really proud of, of who you are and, and your bodies and like but that must have been quite a struggle for you because you're it's not like you're just in a house you go out in on the beach with people like that that must have brought up that must have been a challenge for you is what I guess I'm trying to say as yeah. well yeah so you mean like because we weren't we weren't just in the villa the whole time so it was for anyone who hasn't seen Naked Beach it's kind of like this social experiment where they put three people who who have body hang-ups uh, that are affecting their day-to-day -day lives and they put these three people in a villa with eight naked hosts and um the eight of us were in body paint the whole time um and then on the final day it's like naked day and we are completely naked like not even any body paint or or anything um and they they, they filmed it in that way because when it first came out it was on a pre-watershed like eight o'clock time slot so um they needed to be careful with like the amount of nudity that they showed because they wanted it to be a show that like parents could watch with their children um and it so it wasn't, it's, I mean, it's not naked attraction. You hear naked in the title, like yeah. a lot of people, like it's, there's no, there's nothing sexualized about it. It's completely, it's like a positive, uplifting, inspiring show. Yeah. Um, that's not, it's not about, you know, dating. It's not, it's not a naked love island. Um, but yeah, so basically we spent that time in the villa together, but yeah, we did go out and we did activities. We went, you know, shopping, we went to the beach, we went and, you know, uh, played tennis and did like all these different activities out of the villa where there are like, you know, other people walking around. That was really funny. Do you know the interesting thing about doing those, like shooting that, those bits of content was that often I could be walking down the street in like a tiny little G-string and nipple covers and body paint. So essentially like naked and people didn't even really notice the moment when they noticed was when they saw the massive camera mm. and like the big boom microphone. And then people were like, Oh, what's going on there? Oh, Oh, is that a celebrity? And then people were like, are then starting to look because they want to see what's going on. Mm. But um, they didn't really look before they saw the cameras. So I think like it just shows, I feel like that was a perfect example of um, so much of the time we, we have this, idea that everyone's looking at us you know you go on a beach in a bikini and you might feel really self-conscious because you think oh my god everyone's looking at me and actually everyone else is too busy worrying about their own shit to yeah. notice you. I walked through a busy shopping center like a busy high street in Greece like loads of tourists getting off the cruise ships and you know people buying souvenirs for their kids and I was wearing nothing but body paint and no one noticed <laughs> so 
you know, I think that I feel like that's a really good um, illustration of, of this idea that no one, often people are too consumed with, they're too busy checking Facebook. A hundred percent. Yeah, a hundred percent. And like, I think in the first episode where there's um, a lady who'd had, who's really struggled with her body image since being a mum, and she was talking about mm. stretch, stretch marks. Yeah. And um, she was walking down the beach with you with her top up I'm I'm really good at remembering this because I watched it yeah. at about five o'clock this morning when the dog woke me up um, <laughs> but um but no it was really poignant because she was so like so worried about this and it was a huge hang-up of hers and um she felt she didn't like them but she also felt really bad about not liking them because yeah. they were you know a product of her giving birth to her child yeah. you know um and you were walking down the the beach with her and I, I can't remember exactly what you said, but you were like, well, they're looking at me because, and it's true, but like in her mm. head, you know, she was so worried about these, these stretch marks on her skin, yeah. you know, but the fact was that she was walking down the beach next to somebody who was in this beautiful body paint, you know, and, <laughs> and then you've got other people just all, and it's a beach. Everybody's worried about what they look like on the beach, exactly. aren't they? So, it's um I found that was a really poignant moment and I don't know if it is because I'm slightly sleep deprived but it just it's so uplifting and it just made me want to cry like happy tears at the end yeah and the thing is about that show is that it's it's completely real Mm. it's completely authentic which is not something we always see on tv nowadays um lots of people have kind of likened it to Queer Eye in the sense that it's got that feel-good factor and often like the and it's quite emotional um yeah so like people who've been like you know reviewing it or whatever and and I I do get that but I think the interesting thing about is these people go through these incredible transformations they go through these like massive internal makeovers and they change not one single thing about their body about or about their appearance but they look different at the end they look different it's like they've had like this blow up (laughs) because they've not like you know, because finally they've kind of come to a place where they accept themselves and they're kind of, the, the way they stand, they stand differently. They're kind of taking up space proudly. Um, they, they're not feet, they're not hunched over, like hiding their body or trying to like, you know, be invisible in the background. Um, or they're just free. And mm. I think for all of us who were filming it, even, you know, the cameramen and women and the producers, like the people behind the scenes, like we were all really affected by witnessing that you know it was when you see um so that 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 lady that you were talking about when Alicia comes out and she um she's wearing body paint and that was a really emotional moment she's talking about her stretch marks and how you know they gave life they're a sign that her body has given life and she's finally coming to feel like she wants to embrace them that was such an emotional moment and all of us like obviously when we were filming that moment, you don't have like the background music and it's not all being edited and it's not, you know, and that obviously intensifies the emotion as a viewer, but Mm. for us experiencing that moment, we were crying. I think you can see on screen I'm crying and we're not actors. Like those are real emotions. And even the people behind the cameras were, were crying because it was a really moving, moving thing to witness people finally coming to a place of self-acceptance and the really interesting thing about that experiment um 
the, the like the social experiment side of the show is that the long-term impact has lasted. So, you know, not only did these people who came out to be guests on the show, they went home feeling amazing and they went home and, you know, set a date for their wedding or went on holiday and wore a bikini for the first time or went swimming with their kids or, you know, went and joined a football club, all these amazing things. But this, that show was shot in 2018, in May and June of 2018. So that's like 18 months ago. And all this time on, they are still continuing to feel better, Mm. you know? So I think that it shows that it might feel like, for some people, it might feel like making friends with their body and reaching a place of body acceptance is an impossible task. And it's never gonna be, be, be able to happen. But actually, it is possible mm. and once you get to that place it is possible to stay there or at least if you slip back a bit you can get yourself back up to feeling good again yeah, so no you know our emotions change all the time and no one's going to feel amazing all the time 24 hours a day because happiness doesn't work like that does it mm. <laughs> you have to feel sad sometimes in order to feel happy but yeah but you can, if you've got to a place where you feel better and you feel better about your body, it's, it is possible to, um, to, to find that place again, even if you experience a, a dip. I mean, yeah. that's what we found with these guys anyway. Yeah, I, th- I, like, I totally agree. I think it's realizing that you've got everything you need inside of you already. You just need to discover it, I think. And, and it sounds a little bit wishy-washy, but it is the truth you know, long-term change and, or, and, and that mindset change, you're not going to get it from an external force. You might be helped by people kind of showing you the way, but that's, that shit shouldn't cost money, you know, yeah. in terms of like it, it, the stuff that you need is, is yeah. the stuff that you've got already. It's just kind well, of learning. And that's what we want our children to know ultimately, like as parents, mm. that's what I want my kids to always know that like the thing that makes me it's a cheesy saying but the thing that makes that you know you're a superhero your superhero power is is being yourself no one else has that magic medicine um and when when we were shooting naked beach I remember one of my friends because I couldn't tell anyone that I was doing it because we like had to sign NDAs and it was all top secret um but I told like my very best friend I was doing it and she was like oh my god how do you feel about being in body parent you worried that like people are going to judge your body and you know like are you going to like go on a diet beforehand obviously I wasn't (laughs) but um the, the the thing that kind of kept me going and the thing that I always feel like, you know, whether I'm shooting a, um, you know, silly like Instagram video with a bikini and everyone's watching or whether I'm shooting, you know, naked beach, ultimately people, yes, people might get trolly comments where people are saying, oh, you know, you've got a wobbly tummy or you've got a saggy bum or your boobs aren't big enough or, you know, you should be curvy or whatever. But ultimately I don't value their opinion. I don't, give a shit what they think of me because the thing that makes me special is nothing about my body it's what is inside of me Mm. and that is the bit that I care about and anyone who judges me for any of my external appearance you can keep your opinions because I I, they literally do not matter to me Mm. you know I, I find it I'm so much more 
I feel so much more joy if someone says to me that I'm a kind person or if someone says that I'm clever or funny, like that means so much more to me than someone saying, oh, you're really beautiful or you've got, you know, a nice body or you're, you're not beautiful or whatever. Um, Cause I feel like, and this is the thing with Love Island. Like I, th- I think so many people who watch that show feel like they have to look a certain way in order to get love. And actually the things that make us fall in love with people are often very little with how they actually look. Mm. Um, And my friends and the people who I value in my life, I I have the way they look has no impact on the reasons that I value them. Mm. I think Love Island is an interesting one because I think that, it does slightly annoy me when people say people don't look like that in real life. Well, these are real life people. There are people that look like that. They are just a a smaller, like, you know, a a very condensed version of, of what people, it's just a portion of society. But what I find really interesting actually is that, so there's a guy on it this year who is, you know, you'd think standardly attractive. He's obviously, He's, I think he's the one that went to Thailand and spent like two grand on his teeth. Oh, um, right. No, and... I don't watch it, but I think I saw Rylan tweeting about him. <laughs> oh, right. So, it, I mean, he's, he seems lovely, but just by watching him, he, look, he seems like one of the most insecure people yeah. that, I, that I've seen on TV for a long time. And he, mm. you can see the bravado, but you can see straight through it as well. And that's what I find interesting about Love Island. You know, I don't, it is just shit TV. But I do think that if you can, if you can take your own emotions and if you can watch it without seeing it as a, like, you know, this is what all bodies look like and blah, 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 blah. It is an interesting thing because what it also shows you, yes, it does show you that, you know, you've got all these beautiful people and it is ridiculously um shot and i mean the the i think the intro to it this year was so um it, it's just not really normal it's it's re- it's filtered reality tv really um but it it's interesting to see because a lot of the people on it still have the same insecurities when it comes to love you know they still are insecure they still feel like they're not good enough they still don't trust they still can't let people in you know these people who other people would look at and see as these people that would, shouldn't have any problems in life because they are a size whatever and with size whatever boobs and, mm. you know, can bench whatever. They still have the problems that everyday mm-hmm. people have. Um, so I mean, on I, one hand, that, that can be really like um, reassuring for lots of people who are watching it because they're like, oh, well, they feel bad and they look amazing. So like everyone feels bad. But I feel like on the other hand, that can also exacerbate some people's problems because they're like, well, if they look like that and they're still not happy, what chance have I got? Mm. And that's why I would love it if shows like Love Island, not just, like, I mean, saying Love Island because it's on TV at the moment, but, yeah. you know, these kind of, this format of reality TV, like the glossy reality TV, if we had more diversity and like wider representation of different, not just different types of people, but different types of bodies, then um, I don't think it would take anything away from the show, no. from these shows. And I don't think it would 
um, I think it would be a positive thing because you would still get to see the way that these people are interacting with each other and like falling in and out of love and you know because ultimately it's fascinating we love as humans to 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 watch these things unfold because so often you know we don't get to see it you know so mm. it is I get that it's good it's interesting TV and I get that it's like addictive TV um, but I just I think it's a shame that we don't have a wider variety of, of bodies on there. There's just no body diversity at all on Love Island, really. Um, yeah, I do agree with you. I do. I think it's um, it's a bit like filtering your Instagram feed. If if it makes you feel bad, stop watching it. Yeah, and I, yeah. I think same with Instagram. If if people that post you know bikini shots all the time and you see them and it makes you feel bad, unfollow you know yeah um i i had to do that recently with somebody who's very big on the on instagram um mm. and i used to really believe in the work she did and then over christmas there was a couple of things that went, went up and i just thought i can't i this this makes me angry and then i was like why am i getting angry it makes no yeah. difference to her life if i'm angry it only makes yeah. difference to mine so just unfollow yeah. you know yeah yeah um so one thing that we've kind of half brushed against but not really t talked about much is kind of motherhood and um like how did your relationship with your body change be becoming a mother or did you find that there was big shifts or did was it something that just quite naturally happened you know what was yeah. your experience it's um oh it's it's really it's a complicated one because i think on the one hand, I felt this amazing new respect for my body and I was kind of in awe of the fact that I'd literally like grown and birthed a human and then was keeping this human alive by, you know, feeding this human and, you know, having the strength to like carry this human around when I was exhausted and, and yeah, I was kind of like in awe of my body in one sense. Um, but on the other hand, I sort of felt like my body wasn't my own anymore. And I think that that was a really strange feeling to come to terms with because I felt like I was growing this baby inside of me and I could feel my baby kick and I felt bonded with the baby, but my body was no longer just mine. So it was almost like my, my body like existed for something else and on the one hand that is like a really empowering feeling because finally you don't have to you know your body isn't just there to be looked at it's not just there as a decoration it's actually like there for a, you know to to do something although our bodies are never there as a decoration but finally it kind of it came home to me that that idea um but on the other hand like sometimes i just kind of felt like i wanted to reclaim my body and particularly in the early days of motherhood when I was literally like my baby was on me 24 hours a day and I wasn't getting very much sleep and I was continually breastfeeding and I had I just sometimes felt touched out like I just wanted like to reclaim my space a little bit and so I think that with my second daughter she um really struggled to sort of settle at night and she would sleep in the bed with me because it was the only way I could get her to sleep um, and I really went through it with her with the whole sleep thing for a good couple of years and so when she was like 
one or something I was like right I want to get my body back I want to snap back I want to be you know my pre-baby self you know all these other like you know mums on Instagram who are like multitasking and everything and looking really well put together and glossy I want to be like that but the reality is I was coping on like three hours sleep a night broken sleep um and so I, I embarked on this kind of healthy lifestyle mission which is like basically a diet but I didn't call it a diet and I started doing really intense like HIIT workouts I'd get up at like six in the morning and do my HIIT workouts I was having no sleep the night before and I was like you know really quite restricting the food the amount of food I was eating um and I kind of embarked on this mission to get the body get my pre-baby body back but I think that what I was trying to do was get my pre-baby self back so it wasn't really about my body I kind of I took it out on my body I blamed my body for feeling slightly claustrophobic and feeling slightly overwhelmed with responsibility and feeling very very tired and I blamed it on my body and I thought the thing that will make me feel better is to shrink myself and and get get firm get get firm thighs and you know toned abs um and obviously that didn't happen (laughs) it didn't it didn't make me feel any better I felt exactly the same Mm. and I didn't to be honest like I didn't really look that different either I mean if you put like a before and after photo next to each other then maybe I might have looked different but it wasn't like a you know I was still the same person um and I think it like when I stopped that stuff was when my eldest daughter, who was she was about five at the time, and she asked me why I was wearing spinach, and I just thought I've got no rational response for this question. Mm. I well, I'm not going to say oh I'm wearing spinach because I want to be able to wear a bikini on holiday because I believe that only people with flat stomachs are allowed to, you know, bear their flesh under the sun. Like mm. obviously. I knew that that was not something I wanted to teach my daughter, but yet that is what I was doing. Yeah. And on the one hand, I was like trying to teach my, my, my daughters that they're, you know, that they're brave and strong and kind. And those are things that matter. But yet I was investing a huge amount of energy um, on improving in inverted commas, um, all the other aspects of myself that had nothing to do with my sort of intrinsic in, in internal self. Hmm. you need um, like a sound effect for your um for i your, know i need your... a sound effect for the quotation marks, marks don't I? yeah <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah. molly's doing quotation marks guys <laughs> oh yeah sorry about that <laughs> no 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 it just made me giggle i know what you like the sound effects because of your podcast but um <laughs> but yeah you need little like prings yeah um <laughs> You're so right though, and I think that it's quite interesting to hear about that because I think, I mean, it's one of the biggest things that I think we we could ever put our bodies through as women. And mm-hmm. um, I think that, I think everybody's view is different. I, I haven't ever had a baby. Um, it's something that we have started to talk about, but the, one of the big things that my husband is worried about is me in terms of how I'd cope with my body changing because I've had you know experience with having an eating disorder for a a long time Mm. um 
And his, his, his worry would be that, you know, I can't cope with my body changing and the mental mm. side of it, which I share that fear as well, you know, mm. cause you, you never know until it happens. Mm. Um, I like to think that I've got a lot of knowledge behind me and a lot of like years of life. And, you know, I really know myself now to be able to cope with things and manage any difficult emotions or feelings that I have but at the end of the day you just don't know and and what you've said about you know the your body's not yours anymore is actually quite an interesting view on it because you're no longer I mean you can see it from both sides of the coin it can be kind of be seen as you know you don't feel like you are just you but in the same, on a different note, it's also, you know, you've got something, you've got something to be there for, you know, mm-hmm. you've got someone mm-hmm. to, to show the way and, you, you know, and, and pass and on think, the good things and the bad. I think right. I think that's why it's so, it's such a complex thing because I often felt both of those feelings mm-hmm. at the same time. and and it's really confusing because on the one hand I did feel you know like I mean I loved my baby so much and I and I was so happy and I was so content and and I I love like you know I was really lucky in in that I enjoyed breastfeeding and that it came it I didn't have any um problems I didn't experience any issues with it so you know that was like something that I could experience and and enjoy um and I had an incredible birth with my second baby that was just the most surreal incredible experience um and so I felt like a superhero on the one hand but at the same time was experiencing these other feelings as well. And I think Mm. that that is often, there's a real conflict. And I think that the other feelings, when we hear about the whole body image and mums conversation, we do often hear, particularly online with sort of social media influencers, talking about like, look at what your body's done and you've, you've grown a human and it's amazing. And I, you know, I feel proud of my tiger stripes and, all of this this kind of language which is incredibly empowering and inspiring and I'm totally here for that but at the same time that those other conversations about feeling like your body isn't always your own and feeling like you're a little bit kind of hemmed in sometimes and a little bit claustrophobic and you just want your own personal space um like those are conversations that people should they're, val- they're valid feelings too yeah and I think that it's important that we recognize that sometimes it isn't just as straightforward and you might feel incredible in the morning and absolutely shit in the evening like mm-hmm. you might go from one feeling to the other and that's okay too I mm. think that I one thing I wish I'd known when I was um, going really going through it with my second daughter and I was doing like the crazy workouts and and dieting stuff I wish I'd known that if I'd have just invested some of that time and energy into doing things that made me feel good, I probably would have felt so much better and I would have felt so much more confident. And I think that, you know, by the time my daughter's one, if I'd have, you know, maybe 
it's really hard because again there's like a level of privilege because you need to be able to afford to you know have the time not everyone has the time to be able to go and do a yoga class you know mm. and my baby didn't sleep so I didn't get the evenings to do stuff after I put her to bed um but I think if I'd have maybe sought recognized that what I was really needing was a little bit of space half an hour to go for a walk on my own mm. I used to think going to going to do like going to Tesco's on my own was such a treat I would, I would so be, I'd get into Tesco's, I'd get my trolley and I'd be like a free woman. I would love it. Having the time to like walk slowly down the aisles and like read the stuff and pick. And my husband thought he was doing me a real favor by doing the family weekly shop and he'd do it after work and he'd come home and he'd be like, I've done the shop. And you know, and I'd be like, like I no. just want to come home so you could look after the kids for an hour so I could go and do the shop. That's a treat for me. Yeah. I want it like, that's my me time. Yeah. Um, and I think like actually that's probably what I was craving, you know, and I think if I'd have invested some of that energy in, I don't know, doing the things that I do now that make me feel good. You know, the irony is now like I go to the gym every day. I go swimming. I love yoga. I used to do a lot of running, but I hurt my back last year. So I can't do that. But I discovered those things um, and the joy of doing them once I gave up doing them to change my body. Yeah. And I think that, um, if I'd have discovered those things, you know, or even just like taking some time to like read a book or have a bubble bath or just like doing something that like nurtures yourself. And because as a mum, you are spending so much of your time nurturing everyone else. And that is an incredible privilege. And I love it. And I love, I love like making nice food for my family. And I love like being there for my kids. I love it. But sometimes you're giving all of yourself out to other people. You don't get a moment to like, you need to take some of that back for yourself as well. Um, and I think that's probably what I was missing. I really like that. It's so true as well. So true. I could talk to you all day. I swear there's like, we could delve so deep into these topics. I know. Um, for those of you that kind of have, people who have listened and want to know more about you or follow you, where can people find you? Um, so I'm in all the, all the like regular places. I'm on Instagram and Twitter and I'm Molly with a Y J Forbes, F O R B E S. Uh, on Twitter and Instagram and then um, I also have a blog I don't write on there as much as I used to but it is I do keep it up to date that's mothersalwayswrite.com and then if you are interested in knowing about the campaign to end diet promo around schools the link to the petition and um, all the information about our public facing events we've got some really cool events planned um, and we've also got resources and we are in the process of organizing some really exciting fundraising activity to fund workshops for teachers and create like a whole series of resources for schools as well as having at the same time like round table discussions with politicians all of that information is um on the free from diets website which is freefromdiets.org wonderful i'm going to put all of those links on the show notes as well thank um, you so if you guys have enjoyed the conversation, make sure to go follow Molly, um, go and sign the petition. Uh, it's really important, I think. Um, if we're ever going to change the way that society views dieting and body image, I think we've got to start young. Um, I think that's the only way that we can go forwards. Um, 
for those of you that have been following me on Instagram, you'll notice that um, I've had a bit of a big announcement this week. So I got a bit fed up of everybody peddling diet shit in January and being like, oh, you'll be happy if you pay this much money for this. So um, to retaliate a little bit, I have decided I've made my entire Pilates library free. So if you guys are listening and you do want to move your body a little bit in a way that suits you, that you can do at home, you know, if the kids are asleep, if you're you know, just needing just five minutes or even an hour on the mat, you can go to healthybalancewithemily.com and you will see that there's over 30 hours worth of videos up there and they're all for free. Wow. So um, head I'm gonna over. I'm going to go do one now. <laughs> get a little bit of Pilates in your day. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, so don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and oh, it's the first one of the year. What can I say? It's been amazing, Molly. Thank you so much. It's been so Thank lovely so to chat to you. Thank you so much for having me. And um, we will see you guys soon. Um, Thank you so much. Bye. Bye.